Hey everyone, this is Jim and Tom from the Galaxy Wars Podcast, and you're either listening to this on the Galaxy Wars Podcast or the Active Geek Podcast, both Active Geek Productions, but this is a very special interview that both Tom and I had with uh, J.K. Woodward, master artist, if I do say so myself. Yeah. We uh, we just, uh, we gush, we gush, and we gush about him. We've mentioned him several times yeah. already. Um, if you just look at his site and see what he does, you're, you're going to see why we gush and we gush and we gush. Uh, we talk a lot of Star Trek and Doctor Who, yep. uh, which is you know kind of new for me for both. Right. But uh, I'm cool. We talk crossovers. But we- the guy has no limitations. Yeah. He's not a one-trick pony. He's been doing the Star Trek stuff, but he could do... Just look at his his blog, and yeah, you can he, see that he could do almost anything. And he's worked with the great Peter David, yeah, and he's done so much stuff that this this episode we had to bring him to you guys uh, because he's phenomenal, and you need to know more about his art. And you can check his art on Twitter and on his blog, which is plugged in the, the end of the episode. And uh, he's doing some Comic Con uh, appearances, and we also plugged that at the end of the episode. And we also talk about how we missed him at the Great Philadelphia Comic Con, yeah. so we have to make up for that next year. So uh, take a listen to this episode, and um, if you're in the Philadelphia area on June 23rd, come see us live at uh, Malcolm Comics at yeah. 5 o'clock for the Philadelphia Pod Fest. We're, we're closing. Yeah, we're closing on Friday, and we're on the same card as the last podcast on the left, which is also pretty cool. Yeah. So check that out. Check this episode out. Support J.K. Woodward, and uh, enjoy this episode. See ya. See ya. This is the Galaxy Wars Podcast with your host, The Grays. Hello. Hello. Uh, JK? Yes. Okay. Is that what you prefer? Pardon? Is that what you prefer, JK? Or James. Uh, Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I, I go by JK under publishing because there was another James Woodward at the time I first came out. So, okay, we'll go with JK. It sounds good. Okay, cool. uh, I'm Tom and I'm Jim, and uh, hey. really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk with us and uh, appreciate uh, the uh, some of the juggling we did to get you on. <laughs> yeah, sorry about yesterday. That was uh, unexpected. Yeah, that was fine. Uh, it, it, it's probably probably better we uh, let it wear off anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so a little background about how you know we came across your work. Um, actually, Jim, when we were setting up the studio and we're trying to like find geeky stuff to put in there, Jim got me um, for free comic book day. Uh, Mirror broken the uh, the zero um, issue, and uh, I was like, wow, look at this. Like, first of all, we said, wow, Patrick Stewart looks great. It's the, the best he's ever looked. <laughs> so you, you must get that a lot, though, with uh, your Patrick Stewart. Yeah, we got, we, well, that cover um, for Free Comic Book Days uh, spawned a lot of comments. <laughs> um, mostly about the, uh, you know, the uh, the size of their arms and uh, the way Troy looked. You know, oh, yeah, a lot yeah, of comments yeah. about Troy. The Inquisitor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. Well, I you know I was trying to avoid being sexist, but yeah, yeah, she she looks great too. So, well, we got comments from both women and men. So, oh, all right, good. <laughs> Actually, we had got comments from both women and men about Picard too. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we're straight guys, but he, he looked good. <laughs> you know, no comments on how sexy Data looked. No love for for Data. Uh, from Data fans, sure. 
Yeah, I mean, most most of it was about uh, most of it was about Picard and Troy. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure why. I know um, uh, probably because it was kind of unexpected. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Well, and you know the mirror. I you had to stick with the 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 mirror verse aesthetic, and you know have no sleeves. I don't know who created that. I guess to to originally show off uh, Captain Kirk's guns. So yeah. <laughs> so. I guess the first question we truly have for you is what what got you into drawing comics? I know I read on your Wikipedia and we we know that everything on the internet is true that <laughs> that it was either comics or or music. What drew you to or well art or music? What drew you to art? Um besides that I was better at it. Um <laughs> it was it was just it was always it's always been a better fit. Uh in fact that that uh that came from a biography I had about um I don't know, like 15 years ago, oh. and uh, it was it was based on an interview where uh, where I said I was in a punk band in high school. So I don't think I ever really considered music as a career, <laughs> or I was going to go that route. Um, so yeah, like you said, everything that's on the internet is true. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's our there best source of information. It, but there, it's 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 really overblown. It's overstated that I was ever going to be a musician. Okay. Uh, so for you know you. You know your style is, you know, obviously a lot different than what you see in most comic books. It's um, we, you know, we're not artists and yeah. we don't really know art, but you know, we we've mentioned it the last couple of times we talked about it on our podcast. Like, what would you call it? What's an you know what name do you put on your style? Like, um, it, I mean, it's it's just realism. Yeah. I mean, okay. Um, and it's it's fully fully painted, hand painted in uh, gouache. Oh. And the reason the reason I did that is I'm, I mean, coming up, um, my big um, influences were were not painted artists uh, except for possibly Sienkiewicz, who um, I started really getting into in, in my teen years. But when I was a kid, it was all um, you know John Byrne, uh, Basima, okay. um, Starlin. I mean, it was it was very um, from the school of Kirby kind of stuff. Right, and. Um, I just couldn't break into comics. Everything I did was, uh, you know, it was okay, but it wasn't getting me anywhere. Um, so I tried something different and I had, uh, learned to paint as a, I guess when I was in high school, okay. because I used to make money painting jean jackets, basically <laughs> painting like Iron Maiden and, and Black Sabbath on the back of jean jackets. And, um, so I, I'd, I'd learned how to paint and I was like, well, let me try that in comics. And it seemed ridiculous because it takes so long. Right. It almost seems not worth it. But uh, but I finally got my first gig doing that, and that's all they'll let me do now. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, well, what like what's your time frame when producing, uh, you know, a comic book? What you know, for you it must take a lot longer than you know when there's other it guys. Does. But it takes approximately twenty hours a a, a page. Wow. Sometimes Jesus. more, sometimes less. Um, so it's like a hundred hour work weeks if you want to try to make close to an issue a month. Wow. Um, generally, I'm told I'm going to get six weeks for a painted comic. Okay. You know, that's why I do uh, mostly miniseries. But you know, something always happens. <laughs> something right. always changes, and the the deadline gets bumped. And sometimes, you know, all of a sudden, uh, by issue three, you have five weeks, <laughs> and by by issue six, if it's a long miniseries, you have like four weeks. And, um, and that's what happened with the uh, Doctor Who crossover, which was kind of a big miniseries. It was, it yeah. was eight issues, 
Uh, the longer the miniseries, it seems the less time you have to do every issue. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why that is. I think th- sometimes they release it earlier. Um, so it can be it can it can be hard. I mean, when when I first started, I was doing Fallen Angel with Peter David. Right. And um, it started out as a five issue miniseries, and I was doing those in the in just under four and a half weeks because I was you know just I was brand new and I was hungry and I was willing to right not sleep. Yeah, they definitely. Yeah, you could. You know, there's definitely a difference between that and you know, Mirror Broken or or the Doctor Who crossover. You know, you could definitely see it. It's not too bad, and you know, it's not crazy, but it's you know, definitely different. Well, style. sure, but I mean, the first five issues of Fallen Angel was fully painted. Okay, I was exactly the same. So that was a that was a, a great deal of work. And around issue six, when they decided it wasn't going to be a miniseries, it was going to go on as a series, which it did for like three years. I started doing the. Um, the pen and ink stuff, which, um, yeah, unfortunately, it's much easier to do, but it's far inferior than I think. I'm a better painter, okay, than I am an inker. You know. Well, speaking of the Fallen Angel and Doctor Who stuff, when when you get hired to join like pre-existing IP or characters like Star Trek characters and Doctor Who, like how much freedom do you get as an artist to take liberties with with the characters? Um. <clears throat> well, it's something like. With Peter David, we worked kind of good together, and he was kind of easygoing about things. Um, with with a IP like Star Trek or Doctor Who, everything has to go through corporate. I mean, everything has to either go through CBS or, or BBC in the case of Doctor Who. Okay. Uh, the way that works is um, let's let's take covers for example. I'll do five or six ideas in uh, quick sketches, send it out to the editor who will pass it on to CBS and we'll get notes and we'll see what they think. And then I'll do the cover and then they have to actually approve that. Now it's not so much the same with every page or nothing would ever get done. Um, but they do like to see pencils if they can before, uh, before we go to like either ink or, or, uh, fully painted. Okay. Was there anything that like you thought was, this is going to work, this is going to be awesome. It's going to change the, the game. And they wrote back, no, that we can't have this. Uh, I, I've gotten some weird notes, but generally, no. I've been working. Um, I've been working on Star Trek for over ten years now, yeah. um, and kind of have a good relationship with uh, CBS. In fact, the Mirror Broken stuff actually came from a job for CBS, not IDW. Oh wow! Okay. Um, it was a uh, it was a style guide, a product style guide, and I developed the characters for that, and then thought it was so cool that i brought it over to uh, idw so um but yeah i've gotten some weird notes like the cover for the star trek doctor who crossover number one when i first turned it in i got notes back that picard looked too bald <laughs> and that doctor who looked too pasty oh and i mean that's what they look like yeah you know <laughs> that's like their defining characteristics <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so I, I made very little changes and just sent it back, and they're like, "Good." So, yeah, good. Oh, so they just you, know, you never really know. Yeah, they just nitpicked and nitpick. Yeah, maybe just so they have input. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what uh, what do you have planned for the future? Is there anything else that we should be expecting to come out soon, or? Uh, um, well, nothing I can really talk about. Oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I can say that there's another. Uh, Next Generation okay. meets the Mirror Universe story coming out. I believe that's been announced. Okay. Um, okay. It's called Terra Incognita. 
That sounds um, awesome. I'm not working on that one for the interiors, but I am doing covers. Okay. And it is still the Tiftons, so. Okay. Um, the writing style they they bring is amazing. You know, full disclosure, I'm not a huge Trekkie. I'm getting into the Star Trek universe, but uh, Mirror Broken, I love the Mirror universe, and it's uh, it brought me in. I love it. Yeah. Oh, cool. You know, I mean, what they what they do that's really excellent is they they capture the voice. I mean, you can hear, you know, when you're reading it, you can hear the character's voice. Yeah, right. I was um, reading it in Patrick Stewart's voice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that comes from them. They, they're long, long time Star Trek fans themselves too. So um, that really helps when you're creating a, a Star Trek book to be a lifelong fan. And uh, yeah, they're they're walking encyclopedias when it comes to Star Trek. Okay. Well, that was going to be one of our, our questions. Is uh, so I mean, like we would assume that you have some Star Trek fandom. I mean, do you? I mean, well, I mean, I, I grew up watching in syndication the uh, the original series. Uh, yeah, loved sure. it. Got obsessed, um, <laughs> and started seeing you know seeing all the movies as they were coming out in theaters. And I remember when I was in high school, dating myself, uh, TNG came out. Okay, and. Uh, yeah, I was I was I was very excited about that. I saw the previews. Oh my god, there's a Klingon on the bridge. That's not supposed to happen. Wow. You know, and I was, you know, and it just I, I never looked back and it's been that way my whole life. So, it's kind of a thrill to be able to work on it. And even yeah. more of a thrill to be able to like create characters in the uh in somewhat canon, canon adjacent, I guess. Yeah, I guess, right? Well, who knows? Yeah. What, you never know with canon what what matters yeah. and what doesn't matter. <laughs> well, I mean, with the comics, the lines are really blurred. Uh, because we work directly with CBS, especially with the Discovery stuff, we're working with the writers' room on the show. Okay. So the comics they're reading are, are uh, they try to keep that canon, okay. even though it's not officially canon. They'll never own up to it officially being canon. Okay. Um, they are working with you know the very people that establish canon. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess Discovery has for us has been a you know for people that listen to our show that, that's the one thing that everybody comments on discovery has been like a, a line in the sand either you like it or you don't like it either it's real star trek or it's not real star trek but you know the creators of star trek made discovery so it, you know that's where I of stand. course it's real star trek right <laughs> you know we're not we're not allowed to say that they're allowed to say that but yeah. uh, you can decide if you like it or not yeah but uh, i mean i see people still arguing that it's um uh that it's a kelvin verse and it's like it's not because cbs said it isn't <laughs> Also, uh, it's not because they don't have the rights. <laughs> okay. The rights true. are divided between Paramount, Viacom, and CBS. Oh, so they great. don't have the rights to the Kelvinverse stuff, so that's never going to happen. It's never going to turn out that it was uh, the Kelvinverse all that. Okay. That's but, so complicated, yeah. but... You know, I know. What are you do? <laughs> Once you get into... Yeah. It's just more fun to just think of it as Star Trek and enjoy it and not right. think about who's got what. <laughs> well, you know, we, we cover everything and you know a lot of marvel stuff and that's something we always back up against is like who owns yeah. this who owns i mean now it's the lines are pretty well defined but back in the day i remember i hope we see this guy and he's like no fox has him <laughs> no universal has him you know so we um, always run up against we, that with things like um the cbs and the bbc with like star trek and doctor who too there are some things in the star trek world um that like likeness rights Okay. The estate of the actors or the actors themselves own, so we can't use those in comics. Sometimes, like um, trying to think of uh, trying to think of an example, but I can't. Uh, I know with Doctor Who, they don't own the Daleks. BBC doesn't own that. Really? So we have to you have to obtain permission from somebody else to use those. 
I didn't know that. And there's some minor characters in Star Trek that, you know, it's not really, doesn't come up that much, but, yeah. you know, so it, it gets complicated. Right. Uh, well, you know, I guess it, well, in your case, you're, you know, you're co-creator on a lot of these things too, right? So I guess you do have to deal with it, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. You, well, it, 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 it's, <laughs> it really sucks sometimes when you get really excited about something. You just got to. You know, especially if it's an idea that drives the whole story, and then you're like, no, nope, can't use it, <laughs> or you can use it, but it might cost more, so the editors might say no. Okay. Or you know, yeah. there's a lot of hoops that you sometimes have to jump through, but usually this stuff goes really smooth. So, especially when you do it for a while and you know what works, what doesn't work, what's usable and what isn't. I have a, a weird question about a Doctor Who crossover with Star Trek <laughs> that I've concocted in my head. Do you think, uh-huh. like, do you think ever, like, a 13th Doctor with Jodie Whittaker and a Captain Janeway crossover would, would work? Oh, I think it would definitely work. In fact, when we worked on the, uh, the crossover we did, we had so many plans for other things we wanted to do. Um, but what happened is Titan somehow picked up the right to, uh, the publishing rights to uh, Doctor Who. So it's no longer in one house. It's no longer IDW. Okay. So the co- it becomes less cost effective, I guess. It, it costs a little more to, to do a crossover, so I don't know if it's ever going to happen again. Oh, man. Or I would any love time in the near future. I would love to see that Janeway and the 13th Doctor. That'd be so cool. Oh, we had lots uh, We had lots of ideas. I, and, and we did a collector's <laughs> edition of uh, collector's uh, hardcover version of the, the collected uh, miniseries of the crossover. And I guess for like 100 of them, the blue label or some weird one, um, I had to draw actually hand-drawn sketches in the books. And I just started sketching out all the ideas of stuff I wanted to do (laughs) one day. (laughs) So there's like Mirror Universe, Tenth Doctor, you know, stuff like that. Oh, I'm gonna have to find. Um, I'm gonna have to find that. That sounds awesome. If you go to my blog, I think if if you search for you know Doctor Who Star Trek in there, there's there's a blog entry where I showed a lot of the sketches I did for that project. Okay. Yeah, I've been I've been stalking your blog and your Twitter. It's like a a geek gallery, like a museum. It's amazing. I I wrote down specific things that I loved from your stuff, like the Mister Miracle Piranha Escape picture. Is oh, cool! Thanks. Yeah, that's a recent uh, a recent commission. I it's beautiful, and the Loot Thank Crate you. Mirror Broken cover. Oh yes, thank you. Oh, no problem. The Jurassic Park Dangerous Games <coughs> is something that I I just fell in love with, and even the um the the I think it's a commission with Saru in the background of Captain Killy. Yeah, that's Saru. Yes. Look, you yeah. made Saru look. Oh, I, and this is something that we we were talking about across across the board on just about everything. Is the like the amount of emotion that you get out of people and like the attention to detail, attention like, to detail and body language, yeah, um, emotion, body language, like shadows and reflections. It, it's just it's mind blowing how amazing your artwork is. If yeah. I could just gush for a second. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I like to. Um, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned the the lighting because I, I tend to try to light everything as if it was like straight out of a film noir. Yeah, um, you can definitely see that. I, I like heavy mood, and you know, I know it gets some people get sick of it and gets a little corny, but I'll never stop doing it. <laughs> well, you know, if we, we talk about like the mirror universe where everybody's literally out to kill each other. It kind of yeah. works. It, it's 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 oh sure. It makes a lot of sense to have you know everybody in shadows and because also in uh, also in City on the Edge of Forever uh, when, when we did that it took place in the 30s so it, like yeah. that kind of noir lighting kind of worked for that too I think and Beast Origins too um, 
That I, oh, you, I, saw, you went way back. Yeah, I, <laughs> a funny story is yesterday was new comic book day, so I'm, every Wednesday I'm at the comic book store, and I went into long boxes specifically because I knew I was going to talk to you, and I found it. I found their only copy, oh, cool. and I have it. And I was telling Tom yeah. that uh, you open it up, and Sandman's fighting Spider-Man, and it's the best Sandman I've ever seen drawn. Oh, thank you. Oh, no problem. I was, I, I worked with um, uh, was Mike Carey on that one, and when I got the script and I saw the opening page, I, I was like, oh, my first Marvel book, and I get to draw Fantastic Four, <laughs> Spider-Man, Avengers. I mean, I... <laughs> I yeah. thought it was just going to be a yeah. beast without his costume story, you know? And then I was like, yes! Yeah, we were... Com- that was really exciting. Uh, Tom pointed out how great She-Hulk and Captain America look, too. <laughs> like, they're, they're oh, stellar. I, I thought they were going to... I thought they were going to send that back to me because at the time, she didn't look like that. But I was like, she should be, like, a head and a half taller than everybody. Yeah, I guess, yeah. And I gave her yeah. that Ronda Rousey shoulders. And <laughs> well, I, like... But that was... I, I mean, when I did that, that was, like, 2000 or 2007 yeah something like, like that you know nobody wanted that she hulk at the time <laughs> well, did they give you credit for the design because they seem to have stolen that from you now because that's what she hulk um, kind of looks well, like yeah but i mean you can't say they stole it because somebody else could have very easily had that same idea after all it was just one panel in one comic that's true true in one year <laughs> so i wouldn't say and then oftentimes you know there's a there's a collective consciousness, you know, like one person has an idea and like 20 other people have the same idea. Um, and it, it's logical. So it's about time somebody had that idea. Yeah. <laughs> like actually have a muscular She-Hulk. Right. Uh, so, I mean, you've, you've done a lot, obviously, and we just gushed about most of it. Like, is there something that stands out to you? Something that was your favorite, like something that you had a good time doing something, you know, what was your favorite thing to, or, you know, like you just gushed about doing a Marvel book and, being able to ha- put everybody in so like wh- well what was your favorite one of the th- one of the things on my uh my bucket list was drawing the x-men i mean that's what got me into comics when i was a right. kid that's what got me drawing um so that was really exciting i really enjoyed my time on fallen angel um i felt like i uh, we got to um, you know peter develops the stories as we go along so there's all these new characters coming in all the time it was never boring um but probably City on the Edge of Forever, okay. the Harlan Ellison script, was um, so far the highlight of my career. Um, for the sole reason is I got to meet Harlan yeah. Ellison, uh, work with him, uh, become friends with him. Oh, wow. <laughs> Go out to dinner with him and his wife. It was just like so surreal because I've been a fan of this guy since um, when I was like seven years old. Right. That's... And I went to a drive-in to see a little movie called A Boy and His Dog. <laughs> and, Have and... you seen that with... No, no. It's a. It's based on a short story by Harlan Ellison, and it had like uh, Don Johnson long before Miami Vice. Oh, wow. I think it came out in '75 or no. Uh, I saw it as a the extra movie at a drive-in theater. Really, double feature when I was uh, like seven, and it was not a movie a seven-year-old should have been seeing. But oh, <laughs> uh, you know, what? I I, do, I think I do know that movie. It yeah, it's kind of it's pretty graphic, right? Like. Oh yeah, it's pretty graphic. It's pretty dark. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was thinking of something different. There's cannibalism in it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I do remember that movie. Maybe. Yeah. It's not a seven-year-old movie. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Check it out if you want to, fans. But uh, I don't know. It's a good movie. You'd love yeah. it. Well, and I was, uh, you know, I was going to say that his that that episode of Star Trek is kind of iconic. I think it's almost everybody's favorite episode, or it, it, it's got to be on a list of the top. 
you know, 10 all times. It's, yeah. It's, it, it's almost always at the number one, whenever they do. A right. List. Um, uh, and, um, and it's a point of contention for Owen Ellison. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Yeah. He put a, he published the original screenplay sometime in the nineties with a bunch of, um, you know, stories telling his side of the story, his fights with Gene Roddenberry, okay. uh, a bunch of interoffice memos and stuff. I mean, half the book is <laughs> him presenting his case. Oh, and man. the other half is the actual screenplay. So he's always wanted this version. Um, so that alone, on the 50th anniversary of uh, right. of Trek, to put out something like that was kind of a thrill. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, um, I was actually just looking at that. It's kind of the what, the big thing that comes up. You Google your name, and that comes up. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I like it's as good as you, you want it to be. Like it's every, it delivers like it's, you know, it's such a great story and, and, you know, I, 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 I can see why he would be, you know, that's something he would be proud of, you know, putting his, his name on and it's gotta be pretty amazing to have your name next to his. So. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, and I got to draw space pirates cause there were space pirates <laughs> in this version. It, is there a character or characters that you would, you would just love to get your hands on and, and draw like an ongoing series for? Yeah, there's yeah. so many. It's kind of a loaded question. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know <laughs> this is a rough one because now I got to filter through all the all the things and try to narrow it down. Um, God, there's a you know it's it's going to sound weird, but <laughs> it's a DC character, and I always wanted to do a bug story, but um, you know, Allred recently did that. And it was great, and it was I love his art, and it's better suited for his kind of art. But I always wanted to do a a, a bug story, yeah. DC bug, the the curvy yeah DC yeah. bug. Does the, yeah. I was like, oh, but I wouldn't mind doing the Micronauts one either. Oh, that would be cool. I was thinking, <laughs> or a team up, <laughs> bug and bug. Oh, that would be cool too. <laughs> Call it a bug's life. <laughs> uh, I think it's taken. So. Oh, yeah. you gotta, you're gonna have to fist fight Disney for over that. Or yeah, Pixar. Disney's gonna Pixar. sue us just for me saying that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, we we uh, we we'll fine. Yeah, we kissed Disney's ass a little bit in, in our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they they owe us some royalties. Um, I, after seeing your Mr. Miracle um, commission, I thought Mr. Miracle would be really cool, or even like with the the tone, the noir tone that you you're you're known for. Plastic Man. I know Gail Simone is just doing a new Plastic Man ongoing series, but I feel like oh. your art with Plastic Man and Gail Simone's writing would be amazing. I oh god, I would love to. I'd love to take a crack at that. Uh, every time I get a commission with Plastic Man, I just I have a ball, <laughs> and I always kind of make him look like um, uh, can't believe I can't remember his name, Bruce Campbell. I was well, gonna make yeah, him look like Bruce Campbell. Perfect. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like I, young Bruce Campbell. Yeah, that, that's uh. Evil Dead Bruce Campbell with the jawline is is perfect yeah, yeah. for. Yep. Uh, f- well, he's got a comic book jawline, so he's perfect for that role. But uh, not, I, now, fantasy casting Bruce Campbell into a, a movie in my head. So I'm thinking about him as Plastic <laughs> Man right now. They can CGI him into younger Bruce Campbell. <laughs> I also had another question. Um, I've noticed that you you do con appearances. Have you ever been approached by anybody that you you've drawn, like anybody from Star Trek, to like say, say like, oh, hey, sure. I loved what you did? Oh sure, yeah. Um, it it happens a lot because, well, I I do I I recently, meaning about three years ago, started doing the um, Vegas convention okay. um, every year, and um, 
just last year in January, or just this year, I should say, <laughs> I was on the uh, Star Trek cruise. Oh, wow. Um, as a guest. So I, I bump into these people all the time. Um, but specifically, um, Brent Spiner really liked the, uh, the crossover, the uh, Star Trek Doctor Who crossover, because his kid's a big um, Doctor Who fan. Okay. Could care less about Star Trek, but loves <laughs> Doctor Who. <laughs> and I bumped into him at the, uh, the Vegas show, and then again at, uh, in the green room at Gallifrey, which is a Doctor Who convention. And he was there because of his kid. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah, I, I said, you know what, I got to get you a copy of that. Because I was asking him, I saw him again, I was like, he still hasn't read it? <laughs> <laughs> So I just gave him a, I gave him a copy and gave him a page and uh, um, yeah, and it was kind of a thrill because he was really excited about it. That's cool. Yeah, um, that's really cool. And the same thing happened with Jonathan Frakes, oh, um, and I think it was the same book. Oh, yeah, right. it was the, the it was the crossover. Okay, yeah. uh, we just I actually just met um, um, Brett Spiner. Brett Spiner at a mm -hmm. con here in like in Philadelphia, and he absolutely was. I was there. Was it the Greater Philadelphia Con? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had a table there. Oh, I was tabling no. that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was a guest there. <laughs> are you coming to our area anytime soon? That was actually one of our, our ending questions. But are you planning any East Coast trips? Because we would love to meet up with you and say hello. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I was just there. Yeah. <laughs> at that yeah. con. Um, I, I'm actually flipping through my desk calendar. Las Vegas, Palm Springs, Indianapolis, this weekend, Edmonton. Edmonton is about as far <laughs> east as I'm going. I oh. think for oh well, until Miami, and that's yeah. None of these are. Oh well. no! I just I did my northeast. I already did my northeast. You guys missed it. <laughs> we were there. He was there twice. I was there I was, three times. Yeah, oh three times. man! I was yeah. I had all three days. <laughs> Always check Artist Alley. I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, I was up oh. and down that, and I just I don't know. I get weird. I get oh, anxious so sometimes, and. I have to hide. Sometimes I get drunk and pass out under the table, so you might have missed it. I might have. Well, we met, yeah, but you know, I, I had a little bucket list. Brett Spiner was on there. Jeremy Bullock was on there, for, you know, uh, and so, but would have known. I would have brought my comic book and got it signed next time. Yeah, we're definitely next time. I'm going to circle it on our calendar. Next time you're in the Philly, New Jersey, New York area, we're gonna we're gonna have to catch up and yeah. say hello. Well, I mean, I you know I used to live in New York, so I I still uh, when I have time visit there from time to time. But um, I do a lot of New England cons, too, if you, if you ever want to drive. Sure. But yeah. I don't think I have anything left this year. I, I always do at least one Philly, New York area and one New England okay. so, a year. But like I said, I've already done it for 2018. So. All right. We'll still be around in 2019. So <laughs> we're definitely going to catch, catch up with you. Um, but as, as we're wrapping up, um, do you want to give some plugs on where you're going to be so or a commission? So... Um, our listeners can reach out because your art is fantastic and we're both huge oh, fans you. and we want to continue to support your art. Well, I'm doing mail order commissions right now, but it, it's kind of coming to an end. I don't know when this airs, but it, it might be when it's over because I only keep it open for like two weeks. I'm putting it out tomorrow. <laughs> well, then go to my blog, which is jkwoodwardart.blogspot.com and you'll see mail order commissions and it'll tell you exactly how to go about that. Um, it's going to be open till I'm keeping the list open till. I believe it's next Wednesday. Um, and then that would, I, I always do that. I always close it so I can get these commissions done and then open it up again to do other commissions. So I don't end up being one of those artists that you hear, I've been waiting three years for my commission. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> you hear that more times than none. 
generally it's accepted that you're going to wait a couple of years for a commission. And I, I, I always just like take two weeks and then do these commissions in a month and then open it up another quarter uh, later. Uh, so that never happens. Well, that's good. Because that would drive me nuts. I'm like, I can't owe anybody money either. I'm one of those yeah. people. Yeah. I just... <laughs> It's great to hear um, because we're going to need some art for the studio, so we're definitely going to be reaching out. Oh, cool. <laughs> cool. And what well, about what some, co- like, some con appearances uh, so we can yeah, get I people got, to say hello? Uh, Indie PopCon, if you're in the Indi- Indianapolis area this weekend. Um, in fact, I'm leaving tomorrow for it. So I guess this is airing tomorrow? Yeah. I'm Join me tomorrow uh, tonight at <laughs> Indie PopCon, or if you're PopCon. Uh, then... July, of course, San Diego Comic-Con. I'll be doing signings and panels there. Uh, yeah, and then August, uh, find me at Star Trek Las Vegas, Palm Springs Comic-Con, if you're in the California area or Nevada. And then um, Long Beach Comic-Con in September and Edmonton. I forget the name of that con, though. But it's in Canada, okay. so if you're in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> and look at is Edmonton French? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, oh. I don't know if they speak French in, in Edmonton. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think it's Montreal. Right, good. Okay. <laughs> we don't know French, so we couldn't translate anyway. But uh. well, we we like to, we like to thank you for taking the time and calling in, and uh, we're going to continue to support your art. We're going to tweet it. Everything new that we uh, that comes out, we're just going to keep paying attention to you. Definitely. And uh, safe travels to Indie Popcom. Thanks, guys. Oh, no problem. Thank, thank you, you very Jacob. much. Appreciate it. Right, bye bye. Bye.